This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. In today's headlines, people worldwide are gathering to show support for protesters in China. Many have had enough of the extreme COVID-19 lockdown policies. We have more on this show of solidarity. Dueling legal teams in Arizona, Carrie Lake vows to carry on the fight, while Katie Hobbs sues a county that refused to certify election results. We have the details. Elon Musk says he is going to war with Apple. The Twitter CEO is accusing the tech giant of censorship and monopolistic behavior. Find out why. Over two million people remain under a boil water notice in Houston. Officials say the culprit was a power outage. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today is Tuesday, November 29th. You know, Evelyn, I find it interesting that a little big tech like Twitter is going after a big, big tech Apple. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. And isn't it ironic that before buying Twitter, when Tesla was struggling, Musk was actually considering uh, selling the car company to, um, to Apple. Oh, yeah, that is ironic. And look at them now in a conflict surrounding free speech. But Evelyn, give us an update on freedom in general. Right. We do have an update on that. The ongoing protests against China's strict zero COVID policy and restrictions on freedoms have spread to at least a dozen cities around the world. It's a show of solidarity with rare displays of defiance in China over the weekend. And Eddie's Jeremy Sandberg has a story. These white sheets of paper have become a symbol of protest in China, and it is spreading. Dozens of protesters gathered in Hong Kong on Monday to show solidarity. In a city that is no stranger to anti-government protests, people brought flowers and candles. I'm here because I don't quite agree with mainland China's policies on COVID. Small-scale vigils and protests have popped up in a number of cities around the world. They follow the deadly apartment fire in the Xinjiang region, which triggered an extraordinary series of protest scenes across China over the weekend. In Sydney, about 200 people gathered outside town hall to show support for protesters. In the United States, protesters gathered outside a U.S. State Department in Washington. A vigil and protest were also held at the University of California in Berkeley and dozens of protesters gathered outside Columbia University in New York City. Um, the fact that Chinese um, and the young people in China have, have finally sent, stood up to, uh, to, the corrupt, uh, to, to the corrupt and coercive government. For decades we have been silenced. We have not been able to voice our, um, we have not been able to voice our dissent. But, but this weekend, what happened this weekend, what happened over the last week, has once again, like, it, it inspired me. During the speech, one of the protesters was beaten by a Chinese mainlander. Similar protest scenes unfolded in London, Tokyo, Paris, Toronto, and at least five other cities in Canada. Given the widespread display of frustration uh, with the uh, zero COVID policy, is China considering ending it 
soon, and if so, when? A spokesperson for the Chinese Foreign Ministry said that Beijing was not aware of any protests abroad calling for an end to its zero-COVID policy. And when repeatedly asked about the protests at home, after 40 seconds of paper shuffling, he replied the question did not, quote, reflect what actually happened. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. And as for now, at least 20 COVID-related protests have taken place in 15 cities across China. And in light of the ongoing protests in China, the White House said its position on peaceful protests has not changed. John Kirby of the National Security Council said the White House supports the right to peacefully assemble. Whether it's the people protesting in Iran or China or anywhere else around the world, um, nothing's changed about the, the president's firm belief in the power of democracy and democratic institutions and how important that is. But I, I wouldn't get into parsing the, the dollar figure effect here of, the, of uh, the, re, the remaining challenge of COVID in China. But clearly, China as a major economic player and China still uh, struggling with uh, COVID, there's obviously there's an impact on the economy. Kirby said the White House does not have extra information about the protests other than what is found on social media and traditional media. He said the Biden administration would be watching the protests closely. When questioned about Biden's recent meeting with Chinese leader Xi Jinping, Kirby said the topic of COVID would likely have come up, but that it was not known whether China's zero COVID was a topic of discussion. U.S. embassies in China are asking U.S. citizens living there to stock up on supplies. They put out a mission statement yesterday. They advise keeping a 14-day supply of medications, bottled water, and food for each household member. That's in response to Chinese authorities expanding COVID-19 restrictions and control measures. China is reporting a surging number of cases of the CCP virus. Some Chinese netizens replied to the embassy's Twitter post pleading for assistance. One user asked every civilized and democratic nation to help Chinese citizens. And for more on this, we would like to bring in Grant Newsham. He is a senior fellow at the Center for Security Policy. Good morning, Grant. Well, good morning. Well, first of all, these kind of national protests with that many people all across China on the streets directly calling out the regime, that's really rarely seen in China. And it's uh, la the largest since the Tiananmen Square massacre in 1989. So do you think the Chinese regime should be worried? Oh, I think that ch the Chinese regime is always worried whenever anyone stands up to it. Uh, they get worried even when... Uh, the U.S. State Department or the White House spokesman stands up to it. Unfortunately, neither of them do. But this is a concern, uh, make no mistake, for the, uh, the Chinese regime. Uh, whether it's a threat to the regime, uh, that's debatable, uh, because given its coercive powers and its willingness to use force, violence, and even murder to get what it wants. Uh, but this always uh, rattles uh, this undemocratic, this regime in Beijing that was not chosen by uh, the public in any way that uh, civilized people would recognize. Hmm. And so what will we see in response from the regime? Oh, I think you're going to see a uh, sort of they'll hold off for a bit. And then I would expect a, a very severe crackdown uh, at some point. Uh, one thing about what's going on is that information the hard evidence is somewhat limited. Uh, one hopes that the White House has more than John Kirby says they have, 
Um, but say hard evidence is, is not uh, so plentiful, but it wouldn't surprise me if the unrest is far greater uh, than the Western press has been able to uh, pick up on. Uh, but I would expect a crackdown, either uh, really direct force of uh, the kind at Tiananmen Square, or as you saw in Hong Kong, uh, where life was made so miserable for people who protested. Uh, they were punished, uh, imprisoned, uh, their lives destroyed, and in some cases murdered. So I think you, the regime in Beijing is going to use uh, all the force it, uh, that it has uh, against these people who just really want nothing more than liberty uh, and the sort of uh, decent treatment of the sort that the civilized world recognizes. Right, and I think that plays into a little bit into my next question, because do you think it would be enough, these are COVID uh, restriction protests, but do you think it would be enough to satisfy the protesters if the regime would ease, just ease COVID restrictions in response to that? Oh, that would help, but I don't know that that's enough. Um, this is presented as a public health issue where the communist regime wants to eliminate COVID. And I'm not so sure of that. Rather, I think it is the setting up of more of a uh, really a um, clandestine uh, infrastructure for population control, monitoring, imprisonment, coercion, uh, and, and even just concentration camps on a mass scale that the world has never seen. I think there's more to it's about power rather than a public health issue. Uh, but letting up on these uh, sort of these the restrictions, really the imprisonment of hundreds of millions of people, letting up on that would have uh, some benefit, some advantage for the regime. But is that enough to suppress uh, people's desire for freedom? And that's a broader question. And I've never come across any race or group of people that enjoy being uh, imprisoned, enjoy being mistreated. And the Chinese people are not an exception to that rule. And you just mentioned, just before we go, you mentioned um, power of the Communist Party. Um, but why do you think is Xi Jinping sticking with the zero COVID policy despite, you know, all the social unrest and the really the economic pain? Mm -hmm. Well, it has really hurt the economy. Uh, and I think that it is, as I said, more about control. It is about establishing his and the Communist Party or the top leadership's dominance over the entire Chinese population. That's what I see. Uh, it's really a, this is an effort to control. Uh, it's not about uh, public health and trying to make COVID go away or even uh, because uh, Xi Jinping would be embarrassed uh, if he had to admit that he, he can't destroy a, a virus. Uh, as I said, I think it is a, there's a larger uh, game afoot and it's been in, in the works for a long time. But now this regime has the technological capacity uh, to try and dominate, to control, uh, monitor a society uh, that has never existed. And I, to me, that's what I see going on. Um, mm. So you know, we'll see how this plays out. But I yes, would sir. do wish the U.S. government would actually speak up on the side of decency. Uh, really watching the White House spokesman, watching the State Department, uh, this is just an absolute embarrassment. Any American ought to be embarrassed, embarrassed by mm. this. Well, let's see how all of this will play out. Thank you so much. Very interesting insight as usual. Grant Newsham, thank you so much. Well, thank you. Glad to be here.
Carrie Lake says she won't back down from her election battle. Meanwhile, Arizona Secretary of State Katie Hobbs sued a Republican-controlled county on Monday for refusing to certify its election results by the state's statutory deadline. NTD's Daniel Monahan has the story. And you'll want to stay tuned for this one, trust me. In a five-minute video posted on Twitter, Lake repeatedly called the election botched. She says she's working with a team of lawyers on a legal case to challenge the results. I will lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. She lashed out at Supervisor Bill Gates and County Recorder Stephen Richer for starting what she called a dark money political action committee. She says its sole purpose was going after her and her campaign and what she called their movement while they supervised the election. They ran an election with my name on the ballot and their number one political goal was to see to it that I was not elected. She accused the two of having a conflict of interest. She says another member of the Board of Supervisors charged with certifying the election was chosen to be on Katie Hobbs's transition team and spoke about the dual role of Katie Hobbs as her opponent and also as the chief election officer in the state. As Arizona Secretary of State, Hobbs' office is responsible for certifying voting devices, election results, candidates, and ballot measures. The video came in the wake of Maricopa County certifying the election results. Maricopa County Supervisor Bill Gates. It is our statutory duty to complete this part of the election process. Gates said by law, residents can't challenge results until after the county and the state certify them. Challengers then have five days to complain. More than 1.5 million county voters cast ballots, 290,000 on Election Day alone, a large percentage of them Republican. However, an estimated 70 of the 223 county voting centers on Election Day reported printer malfunction. The situation resulted in long lines of frustrated voters. The Election Integrity Unit of the Attorney General's Office compiled a report on the issues and demanded answers. Maricopa County has acknowledged there were printer problems, but said that laws do not require every printer and tabulator to work perfectly. It also challenged the claims of excessive wait time, saying a majority of vote centers had a peak wait time of 15 minutes or less. Meanwhile, Arizona Secretary of State Katie Hobbs sued a Republican-controlled county Monday, this after it refused to certify its election results by the state's statutory deadline. The lawsuit aims to compel the Cochise County Board of Supervisors to certify the county's results from the November 8th election. Officials in Cochise voted earlier in the day against certifying its election results. Under state law, Arizona is supposed to certify its results by December 8th with or without certification from all the counties. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. The Biden administration announced the approval of a possible sale of arms to Finland on Monday. The missiles and weapons are worth an estimated $323 million. It comes after Finland and Sweden moved to join NATO earlier this year. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has motivated the countries to increase their defenses. The U.S. says the sale will improve Finland's air-to-air and air-to-surface weapons capabilities and will positively impact relations with countries in the Nordic region. They also say it will support U.S. foreign policy and national security by improving the security of a trusted partner. And coming up, Twitter owner Elon Musk has a question for Apple CEO Tim Cook. What's going on? Find out why Musk is declaring war on the tech giant. And over two million people in Houston are still under a boil water notice caused by a power outage. That and more when we come back.
Welcome back. Officials say more than 2 million people in the Houston area remain under a boil, wa boil water notice, I shall say. This after a power outage caused low water pressure at a water purification plant. The order, which means water must be boiled before it's used for cooking, bathing or drinking, also prompted schools in the Houston area to close Monday. Mayor Sylvester Turner said yesterday that stuff happens whether he likes it or not. According to Turner, a transformer at the water plant failed and generators never kicked in. Tony Crawford, a Houston resident, says he learned about the boil water notice from a friend. This is the first time ever, and I'm from Houston, and I'm almost in my 50s, so it's never been a water issue for me until today. Officials say the boil water notice should last until sometime this morning. And moving on to a different topic, Twitter's new CEO Elon Musk says he's going to war with Apple. He says Apple slowed advertising on Twitter and is threatening to take it off its app store. He's also accusing them of antitrust violations. Entity's Jeremy Sandberg tells us why. Elon Musk has a question for Apple CEO Tim Cook. What's going on? The new head of Twitter unleashed a litany of tweets on Monday calling Apple out, questioning censorship, advertising, and the perceived monopoly they hold. Musk took issue with a 30% fee Apple charges on everything sold through their app store. He posted a meme of a car labeled Musk veering off the pay 30% highway at high speed to take the go-to-war exit. Musk has since deleted the post. But it seems the biggest question the entrepreneur has for Apple is around censorship. In one tweet, he says Apple has mostly stopped advertising on Twitter and asks, do they hate free speech in America? He went on to say Apple threatened to withhold Twitter from its app store, but won't say why. Musk ran a poll suggesting Apple publish all censorship actions it's taken that affect its customers. An overwhelming 85% voted yes. Musk called it a battle for the future of civilization. He says if free speech is lost even in America, tyranny is all that lies ahead. Richard Stern, an analyst from the Heritage Foundation, spoke with NTD's Stefania Cox. He says the Biden administration is putting pressure on companies and using the weight of the government to threaten them to follow their political whim. You can only surmise why Apple's doing that, but the truth is we all see what's happening here is that companies are bowing to this pressure from the government, trying to act in a dictatorial fashion to force companies to bend to their will. Biden said Musk's acquisition of Twitter is worth being looked at when asked if Elon Musk is a threat to national security. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said Monday that the administration is keeping a close eye on Twitter regarding misinformation and hate speech. The president has been very clear on calling uh, that out. He'll continue to do that, uh, and we're going to continue to monitor the situation. Go ahead. Stern calls the situation concerning. The president is not supposed to be a dictator that can marshal the force of the government against a single business owner because he doesn't share his politics. To your point on this, all of these companies have the same kind of investor profiles, they're doing the same kind of activities, but they donate to the right people, the right politicians. They support the politics of the president so they don't get put on this figurative watch list. This is a horrific turn of events where the government is infringing on people's rights, is shifting more towards a dictatorship. But it's not just in America that Apple is choosing its stance on free speech. Apple made changes to its file-sharing airdrop feature in China earlier this month, reducing it to 10 minutes for people not on a contact list. Previously, there was no limit. Protesters have been using the tool to get around the country's online censorship and share information in media easily and discreetly. 
The OS change only affected Apple gadgets in China after people started passing around materials critical of the communist regime and its leader, Xi Jinping. Apple has been criticized in the past for bowing to the Chinese communist regime and altering features. They removed the Taiwan flag emoji for Hong Kong and Macau users in 2019. The company also took down virtual private network apps, or VPNs, from its app store for users in China. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Apple says they made the changes to AirDrop to stop unwanted file sharing, and they plan to roll, at, roll it out globally soon. Yeah, when Musk has already suggested making an alternative phone. That's if Apple and Google block the Twitter from their app stores. Now, U.S. stocks ended sharply lower on Monday. That's after the protests in major Chinese cities sparked concerns about economic growth, and Apple slid on worries about a hit to iPhone production. Here are the details. The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell almost 500 points, dropping nearly 1.5%. The S&P 500 and the Nasdaq both dropped more than 1.5%. Apple shares fell $3.89, down more than 2.6%, dragging down the benchmark S&P 500 index as worker unrest in the world's biggest iPhone factory in China fanned fears of a deeper hit to the already constrained production of higher-end phones. But I think you're going to see some real supply chain issues. You know, the, the unrest is actually happening in, you know, in the factory that's, that's, you know, that, that makes these iPhones. Mitigating those losses, shares of e-commerce behemoth Amazon.com rose nearly six-tenths of a percent after an industry report estimated spending on Cyber Monday, the biggest U.S. online shopping day, would climb as much as $11.6 billion. Also sounding something of an optimistic note. As this continues, I expect real GDP to increase only modestly this year and in 2023. Williams told the New York Economic Club that he saw the Fed maintaining its policy of interest rate hikes to combat inflation, but said he was already seeing signs that the rate hikes were having the desired effect and did not forecast an economic recession. It will take some time, but I'm fully confident that we'll return to a sustained period of price stability. The Fed has been wrong so much in the last two years, um, really the last five years. Greg Swenson was far more pessimistic in his forecast and expected inflation would not come down until unemployment climbed significantly higher. I think you're going to see the Fed continue to raise rates and pause unemployment to go higher, as you said, up into the fives. And that will, that will result in some economic contraction for sure. This week, investors will keep a close watch on November consumer confidence data due on Tuesday, the government's second estimate for third quarter gross domestic product due on Wednesday, and November's jobs report due on Friday. Next up, Qatar puts on a show for soccer fans, and people around the world celebrate the latest victories at the FIFA World Cup. That's when we come back. We're continuing the program with the FIFA World Cup. It's bringing together millions of people from all around the globe, and soccer fans worldwide are celebrating their home team. NTD's Flinders Kingsley with a story. As day nine of the World Cup rolls around, thousands of fans from all over the globe gathered at the FIFA Fan Festival in Doha. Holding their national flags, the patrons watched Brazil play Switzerland and Portugal take on Uruguay on the big screens. It's lovely to see it all come together and, I mean, come on, this, this is unreal, right? It's amazing! It was incredible, we just saw Brazil win, it was amazing, everyone stood up, cheering, 
It was great, everyone coming together, seeing everyone from different nations joining in together. It's incredible. On the other side of the world, in Sao Paulo, Brazil's heavy rain did little to deter the Brazilian celebration. Their national team won their second victory with a 1-0 win over Switzerland. This secured their place in the knockout stages of the 2022 tournament. The game was a bit difficult because Switzerland scored well in Brazil, but Brazil overcame it. The game was exciting. We won 1-0. We are already in the round of 16, and this reign was with God's blessing. Brazil is champion. Brazil! Portuguese fans were also celebrating as Portugal became the third team to enter the knockout round, winning over Uruguay 2-0. Ever since I was little, I've watched the World Cup since 2010, and every year I watch, every year I hope we, we win, but I think this is the year. Today at the World Cup, the US faces Iran at 2 p.m. Eastern. The knockout round of 16 teams begins on December 3rd. Flinders Kingsley, NTD News. Oh, man, it reminds me of my soccer days. You know, Evelyn, I played for about eight years, and I was a midfielder because I could run a lot. Oh, wow, nice. So are you going to catch the next US-Iran game? Um, well, I know it's been about 25 years since they last played each other, but I probably won't be able to make it. Well, it'll be interesting to see, though, how it will play out with the U.S. changing the Iran's flag, with Iran asking for U.S. to be kicked out. Yeah, oh. a lot of drama. Well, you know, leave it to the U.S. to make a stand for human rights and for the Iranian regime to blame them for it. Yeah, all right. <laughs> That's all for today's program. We have to call, uh, call, it, call it here. We'd love to hear from you, though. Before you go, you can share your thoughts and your story at goodmorning at ntd.com. So shoot us an email if you'd like. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.